Welcome to the Dog Friendly KW Podcast with your hosts, Justine and Mackenzie on Midtown Radio KW. Today, we are going to talk about choosing a reputable breeder when looking to get a new puppy. Um, With so many different types of breeders out there, it's really good to educate ourselves on uh, what is a good reputable breeder. So we're going to talk about that today. So let's dive in, shall we? And it is getting harder to see your face. Welcome to the Dog Friendly KW Podcast with your hosts, Justine and Mackenzie on Midtown Radio KW. And today we are going to talk about breeders and how to choose one that is reputable for your next puppy. Um, So Mackenzie is our uh, breeder expert. So Uh, I wouldn't say expert. I just know a little you know a lot more than I do, and you know a lot more than the average person. So we're going to lean um, a lot on Mackenzie during today's episode for all of her knowledge. But as a um, rescue dog owner, I do just want to say that, of course, we are huge advocates for adoption and for rescuing. Um, but if you do decide that purebred is for you, um, then we hope today's episode will be helpful in you being able to choose a, a breeder that's reputable and safe so you can get a happy, healthy puppy. So, Kens, educate me. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I have actual questions. I won't just make you ramble. Okay, so my first question is, what is the first thing I should do when I'm looking for a breeder? So let's say hypothetically, I know I want to get a puppy. Um, I know what breed I want. I've done lots of research into breeds. Um, and now I need to find a breeder for that particular breed. Where, where do I go? Well, the best place to start is definitely your chosen breeds breed club. So Every breed out there has some sort of breed club affiliated with the kennel club. So as an example, the Canadian Kennel Club, under the umbrella of the Canadian Kennel Club, they will be the Labrador Retriever Club of Canada. And under that club, there will be the Labrador Retriever Club of Ontario. So the best place to start is in, again, the Labrador Retriever Club of Canada, Uh, A lot of these websites are built up by the club and have things like breeder referral links. And they'll also have a lot of really good useful information in regards to your breed. So uh, what questions to ask your breeder, um, you know, uh, red flags, things like that. Uh, These breed clubs are very, very good at, uh, you know, educating the general public on what to look for. Um, Yeah, another big thing with that is that breed clubs 
do really advocate for health testing. So a lot of purebreds um, out there do have, you know, associated genetic health issues. And what the breed clubs will do is they will say, hey, so you're interested in um, you know, an Italian greyhound, well, Italian greyhounds are, you know, potential carriers for glaucoma. So make sure that when you're choosing a, a, a breeder that they check for glaucoma as an example. Um, but yeah, a lot of these uh, breed clubs do have big, long uh, lists of breeders that are active within their club. And that is the best place to start. Okay, so that's really helpful information. And obviously, you're referencing like really um, common and standard dogs. So let's say I want to get maybe like more of a rare dog. Maybe there's only a handful of breeders across the country, even. I might even have to go to the States, let's say. Would those breeds still have like an official club? in Canada? In Canada, they might not, but in North America, the chances are quite high. Even with rarer breeds that aren't um, recognized by the Canadian Kennel Club, but let's say they're recognized by the the UKC, the United Kennel Club, there would still be the same kind of um, idea of these breed clubs living under some sort of kennel club. Okay. That makes sense. And then correct me if I'm wrong. Did you say that we would have, we might have one in Canada and we also might have one in Ontario or are they always national? They're they're They can be provincial as well. Yeah. Same within the States. There could be like a um, mid Atlantic breed club and there could be a West coast breed club. So, uh, you know, falling under that breed umbrella a little bit different information potentially, but they all have the same goal, which is to educate buyers. Okay. All right. So next question. (laughs) So that's really helpful. So I know now that I can go to a breed club to find information about that breed. If I go to the breed club and let's say there's like 30 breeders to choose from, how in the world do I even start to narrow down my search. That's like, that feels really overwhelming. Right. So the first thing I will say is that a breeder is going to be a resource for you for the entirety of your dog's life. So the big thing is you should like the breeder. You should like them. You should be able to feel comfortable enough to reach out to them at any point throughout your dog's life and, um, you know, ask questions. They are a resource for you. Also, timing is really important. So so as an example, some breeders do have like a longer wait time. So on average, we're looking at like two-year wait times, especially this uh, through COVID. (laughs) Everybody wants to get a dog nowadays. Uh, But yeah, so if you you reach out to a few breeders and they say, oh, we're not going to have puppies for the next five years and you want a dog within the next year, you know, that might help narrow down your search. That should be lower on the totem pole, to be honest. But for a lot of people, there are a lot of individuals who are like myself included, who get really excited and want a puppy now, right? So I don't blame them. Um, But yeah, timing is also important. Um, One thing I do really want to quickly talk about is some things to avoid when it comes to searching for your breeder. Um, There's, there's, 
If there's a breeder out there who cannot answer any questions or are, um, you know, dodging questions you're asking, try to avoid those types of uh, people. That's just, you know, red flag central. We'll talk more about that later. Um, can, can you give me an example of like what like what sort of question you might see a breeder try to dodge? So, yeah. I, so an example would be, hey, can you um, show me where the puppies are growing up? Can you show me a picture of mom? Can you show me a picture of, you know, um, the parents' health testing, things like this? Mm -hmm. If they are dodging these questions or not allowing you to come to the facility, facility or the, where the puppies were whelped, those are big, big red flags. So that could be, you know, the puppies are born in not a clean environment. They're not being raised in a sociable environment, things like that. Um, so those tend to be more common things that people run into, or they, another example is they don't want to meet you. Yeah. At their home, they want to meet you at the vet's office or something. That is a big, big red flag too. Okay. Another thing is, a. Uh, you know, dogs, puppies cost money. And if, uh, if the breeder is very eager to sell you a, a dog without asking you a lot of questions, so i.e. about your family and your lifestyle, how active are you? Do you have a fenced in backyard? Do you plan on walking your dog? What do you plan on feeding your dog? How often do you plan on going to the vet with your dog, et cetera, et cetera. That is a big, big thing to avoid. So, um, you as a buyer should do your due diligence and make sure that you're, you know, checking up on these things. But yeah, if they are just like, oh, don't care, here's a puppy, you know, pay me and walk away, that's a huge, huge thing to avoid, a big red flag there. Yeah, if they're just trying to pawn a puppy off onto you as quickly as possible, that's just to pump out more puppies and get them out the door right after that. Yeah. Very problematic. Yes. Very unethical. <laughs> it's horrible. Um, another thing also to look out for is uh, charging one price for a registered dog and less for a dog without papers. So I'm using air quotes. So this is actually illegal. So if you are purchasing a purebred dog, they should be registered with the appropriate kennel club. So again, Canadian Kennel Club as an example. If you if the breeder says, "Oh, I'll charge you $500 less to, you know, have this puppy without being registered." That is illegal. You cannot do that. So it does cost the breeder money to register litters. Um it, it, Breeders are most of the time lifelong members of uh, their kennel clubs. And, uh, you know, you pay X amount per litter to register them. It's really not a lot of money. So the fact that these uh, breeders are selling puppies without papers, it's just, it just doesn't make any sense. That's some huge thing to avoid. All right. Well, thank you, Kens, for all of that really good background information on finding a breeder. We're going to take a quick break and we'll come back to talk more about what you should look for when you visit a breeder um, or questions you should ask when you talk to them. So stay tuned. Woof, woof. episode of the Dog Friendly KW podcast is brought to you by Terrible Toby's. 
Terrible Toby's is KW's newest locally owned pet store located inside the Krug Street Plaza in Kitchener. A new unique store, Terrible Toby's lets animals and their humans gather, shop, and meet other animal lovers. Follow Terrible Toby's on Facebook and Instagram for updates on their new space. All right, Justine, guess what it's time for? What is it time for? It's time for our Celebrity Pup of the Week. Celebrity Pup of the Week. In this segment, we feature a local celebrity pup from Instagram, and I'm very excited about this week's celebrity pup. So, Justine, who is this week's celebrity pup of the week? This week's celebrity pup of the week is, drumroll please, at Dudley Lux, also known as... Dudley the Doxy, also known as the Dud, the Dud and Ollie and Dud. <laughs> um, so Mackenzie, I've met Dudley uh, a number of times. So why don't you, you know Dudley better than I do. So why don't you tell us about Dudley, who has a big crush on your dog, Aladar? He really does. It's so cute. So Dudley is a little long-haired uh, dachshund. Um, he is a, a mini long-haired dachshund, I should say. And he is cute as a button. He's very low to the ground and very long. And he is a beautiful uh, English cream color. And uh, we have lots of fun together. Um, Dudley loves to do things like agility and run around in the snow and collect snowballs. Uh, on his long fur. It is so cute because he's so close to the ground. Thanks, Kens, for telling us all about Dudley, our Celebrity Pup of the Week. Welcome back to the Dog Friendly KW Podcast with your hosts, Justine and Mackenzie on Midtown Radio KW. So we have been talking about choosing a reputable breeder and um, Ken's did a really awesome job in the first segment, um, helping us kind of understand how you can find a breeder um, and when you, or, you know, when you found a number of breeders, how to really narrow it down and find one that's good for you. So, Ken's, I have another question for you. So, hit me. Yeah. So, now that I think I found a breeder, um, I'm going to contact them. So, what are some questions I should ask them? And what are some red flags I should look for when they respond? So, you alluded to some of this um, in segment one, but would love to hear in more depth. 
Yep, I can dive in a little bit deeper here. So um, the main piece to really focus on here is have the mom and dad been cleared of all genetic diseases? So this is not a vet check. This is actually a deeper, more complex or potentially many complex uh, tests that can be done um, through things like um, uh, spit swabs, uh, x-rays, things like that. Um, but this is the bread and butter of breeding responsibly. Um, the OFA, which is called the Orthopedic Foundation uh, for Animals, uh, this is a North American um, foundation. Um, they have a list of all the breeds that ever existed and their recommended health tests by the parent club. So like we talked about earlier, so I, I want a golden retriever. I can go into uh, the OFA website and click golden retriever, and it will give me a list of all the tests that my breeder should have completed. That's handy. This is very handy, um, especially because there's so many different tests and you don't really know sometimes. So to go in and have a clear idea and understanding of what is actually needed before going to your breeder is just very, very helpful. And your breeder will really, really be impressed with you and 100% sell you a puppy. You will be approved right away because of this is such an important piece. So, um, Again, just as a quick example, like in um, in Labrador retrievers, uh, you know things like elbow and hip dysplasia are genetic and um, can be passed down uh, through you know mums or dads to their puppies. So uh, what OFA will say is like, okay, you'll need to test for hip and elbow dysplasia. The uh, the breeder will go and do that said testing and then be able to provide the results to you um, prior to you picking up a puppy. Another piece in red flag to look out for is things like what age do the puppies come home? So if a puppy, if the breeder says a puppy can come home prior to eight weeks, this is a really big red flag. Yeah, that's no good. <laughs> yeah, so I I know that some there are some bigger breeds that they'll like, oh, seven weeks is fine. But yeah, eight weeks is is the bare ass minimum, in my opinion, on when puppies should be going home. And if they're trying to pawn off puppies at like five, six, seven weeks, they're just trying to make room for their next batch of puppies. So that's so gross. It's the sad truth. Yeah. So um, that's one. One more just to piggyback on that is how often has the mama been bred? So that's a really good question to ask. Um, larger breed dogs um, should not be bred until all of their OFA health testing has been completed. And a lot of OFA testing cannot be completed until the dog is over two years old. So if you are getting a puppy from a mom um, who or dad who is less than two years old, big, big, big red flag because all of this testing cannot be completed prior to the dog being mature. So um, something to look out for. Toy dogs or smaller breeds is a little different, but uh, nonetheless, in my opinion, if you breed a dog prior to two years of age, that's really unethical. 
All right. Give us the last few tips. And then I have one more question. All right. So another question to ask is how long have they been breeding for? Um, and what does their facility look like? So these are just really good questions to ask because just the knowledge that the individual, the breeder would have around, uh, you know, not only the breed themselves, but breeding, breeding is not easy. There's a lot that goes into it. It's not like taking a male and a female dog, putting them together it may seem that way, but in the purebred community, it is a lot more complex. So, um, this is a very good question just to ask. And even if they are young, as long as young into breeding, I should say, um, as long as they are able to answer, uh, what we've been talking about other questions, uh, efficiently, then, you know, I would, I would kind of pass by this question, but still, if they've been breeding for 20 years and they are doing it ethically and responsibly, that's perfect. Um, what does a facility look like? So what I mean by this is where do these dogs live? Do they, are they kenneled all the time? Do they live outside? Do they live in a barn? Do they live in the home? These are all really, really good questions because, um, obviously it leads into the socialization of the puppies. And uh, we've already talked about this, but yeah, where are the puppies? Are they, again, in, in the home? Are they outside? Uh, are they, you know, in their basement? Like there are so many different things that, the, that puppies could it's be, um, that puppies could be. And uh, it's really important just to know how much, you know, human time these puppies are getting as they're um, growing older. Okay. I'm going to stop you there. Yep. <laughs> Because we only have three minutes left. Okay, let me quickly let me just quickly add the last one. That one's okay. really really important. Okay, and then does the breeder offer a health guarantee or insurance of some sort? So a lot of breeders work with um, different insurance companies. So like I.e. True Panion as an example, and True Panion will work with breeders and offer one year of you know insurance under with this breeder referral program. So this is something really important because uh, that means the breeder is confident in their puppies that are going home mm -hmm. and there should be, hopefully, fingers crossed, no issues genetically with said puppy. All right. Well, thanks so much, Kenz, for, for sharing all of that information. I think uh, you just made it very easy for us to decide to do a part two on this next week so we can talk way more about this. Um, there's just so much to dig into here to make sure that people are really choosing a reputable breeder and are supporting reputable breeders. Like you're giving those people a lot of money. <laughs> Mm -hmm. And you obviously want to support um, a business that is, you know, treating dogs well and cares about their health and their well-being. And yeah, so there's lots to dive into. So we're going to save all of this for next week, but we're going to take a quick break right now and we're going to come back with desktop dog trivia.
<laughs> All right. So now it's time for, I think, my new favorite segment, which is desktop dog trivia. Woof, woof. I don't know what sound that was that I just made, but on this segment, um, we test each other's dog knowledge with our desktop dog calendars. So this is our second week, I believe. Doing... Yeah. Shout out to uh, shout out to Dollarama for these awesome, <laughs> awesome trivia calendars. Okay. I'm going to go first. This one's really hard. If you get this right, I will be so shocked, okay? Great. So this this question is from Sunday, October 30th. And it is, Justine, what is the fear of dogs called? Um, Woofophobia. <laughs> I'm going to make up a word. Hang on. Let me make up a word and see if it's close. Because uh, fear phobias are always a really stupid, like they're always a really weird word. Um, Karanea phobia. Karaniba phobia. You're, you're actually kind of close. <laughs> yeah, it's my fake word. What is it? <laughs> I hope I'm pronouncing this right. It's, it's, Kinophobia. Oh, I was so close. C-Y-N-O phobia. It's the overwhelming fear of dogs. Well, there we go. I've never heard that word before. All right. This one is from Thursday, February 17th. On June 12th, 2011, um, the world's largest dog walk took place in South Shields, England. How many dogs do you think participated? England, eh? 16,540. You're not too, too far off in the grand scheme of things. 22,742. Now my follow-up question is, do you think we can uh, plan a dog walk and beat the world's largest dog walk record? Heck yeah. Wouldn't that be awesome? Challenge accepted. Right? Okay. Well, I'm enlightened. Now, on to the next. All right. <clears throat> Justine, this question is from Tuesday, October 18th. According to the American Pet Product Association, also known as APPA, how much money do dog owners spend on average per year on grooming? Totally depends on the type of dog you have. I spend like pennies on grooming, but I know other people probably just spend a lot. I'm gonna say on average five hundred dollars a year. A year. Aww. According to this organization, the American Pet Product Association, it's seventy-three dollars a year. That's USD, which works out to about ninety dollars Canadian That's a year. It? That's it. Oh. That's probably what I spend because it's really only nail trimmings. Yeah, but then you, I feel so bad for those people with all those hairy dogs and they probably spend close to $500 a year. Like it's right. like $100 every time you go to the groomer and you have to go every eight weeks. Yeah. Well, those lucky people only paying 70 something a year. Dang. All right, my last one. Um, 
little like fun fact and then I'll ask my question. So this one's from January 30th. So dogs have brain activity and sleeping patterns similar to humans. Out of like all the dogs, um, one of these two categories dreams more. Which do you think it is? So is it small dogs or big dogs? Which dream more? Oh, I want to say they both dream the same. Um, but I would guess... I would guess... Oh, big dogs. Oh. Oh, I was going to say small dogs because mine dream all the time. But Small dogs tend to dream more than big dogs. I would love to like learn more about like where... That might be a fun episode we could research. Like any... Um, like studies that are out there that have been done on like dog dreams and dog sleep. That would be, that would be adorable. That would be very cool. All right. Well, we, we did okay on that. We We sucked. We did okay. (laughs) We'll see how we do next week. Well, there you have it, everybody. Uh, Desktop dog trivia. It's a tongue twister. been listening to the dog friendly kw podcast and today we have been talking about choosing a reputable breeder yeah and Mackenzie has given us so much awesome information to start thinking about for those that are maybe looking at getting a puppy from a breeder but there was so much to dive into today that we're going to do a part two next week. And on next week's episode, we are going to dive into um, really what to look for when you visit a breeder or when you go to pick up your puppy, um, things to kind of uh, keep in mind physically with your puppy um, when you pick them up for the first time, all of those pieces. So we're going to dive into that next week. Um, But otherwise, thank you for listening to the Dog Friendly KW podcast, and we will talk to you next week. Till then. A Block Sheep Audio Podcast.